Welcome back into Phantoms on the Mound. My name is Dakota Haynes, joined by my co-hosts, Lee McManus and Rowan, a.k.a. The Redbeard. Now, today we've got a very fun, exciting episode for you. At the end of the episode, we're going to have a little trivia brought to you by Rowan. Uh, what was the name of that, Lee? Uh, what were we, we calling that? Redbeard Stumpers. <laughs> It's, it's Redbeard, Redbeard Stumpers. like a pirate's name. So. Yes, sir. Redbeard Stumpers. That's the name of the <laughs> trivia at the end of this uh, episode here. But we're going to jump right on in to talking about the playoff standings, uh, where the MOB sits right now in the standings, where what the playoffs are looking like. Guys, it's crazy. Just to think about the fact that the MLB season is ending next Wednesday. Right. It is crazy. And the playoffs start Friday? I mean, I believe it is. Yeah. Is it Friday or Saturday? I believe it's Friday. Yes, sir. Friday. I mean, it, it's. You're talking this is a 162 game season, and the. We're already down to, like, the last 12 games. Yeah, less than that. Yeah, less no, than that, yeah. Nine or ten. The Yankees, I know, have ten, and most other teams have nine. They're only, they're only four games today. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty light day today. But, yes, yeah, everybody's down to about nine or ten games at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just – it's absolutely nuts if if you just ask me. Um, anybody. I mean, I didn't expect the season to go by this quick. Yeah, it flew by. I feel like it's only been two months since I started watching baseball in April. Yeah, I feel like it got to the All-Star break quick, and then since the All-Star break, it's been even quicker to now. Yeah, it might have been because of a late trade deadline. Well, again, as we've mentioned before, the season did start a little later, so it was a little more compacted mm. uh, because, mm. of, because of the lockout. So that, that had a little something to do with it as well. Mm. Well, looking at the standings, um, we kind of already know who is going to be taking the division leader spots in the American League um, with the Yankee – or excuse me. The Houston Astros taking sole possession of the uh, Western Con Western Division. The Yankees uh, technically still fighting for that last spot or the East spot, but they're they are eight games ahead of the Blue Jays, and then the Guardians taking the Central Division. But looking at the AL wild card, we have the Toronto Blue Jays, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Seattle Mariners. Where do you guys see this going? I think it's unless uh, the AL East really, really beats up on each other. I think it's going to stay pretty close to where it is now. And as we talked about mm -hmm. before, that's that's probably the best case scenario for the Mariners, 
given the success mm-hmm. they've had against the Guardians and Yankees this year. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't, you know, Baltimore is four games out still. They're a long shot, as we talked about, because of the players they traded away at the deadline. If they, if they kept some of those players, maybe this last spot would be a little more interesting race, but it's, it's not close enough that I think it's going to be, especially given the Mariners' schedule, uh, was, you know, one of the easier ones at the end of the season here. So I think mm-hmm. it's likely that it's going to stay right where it is and we'll see um, Rays, Blue Jays, and then Mariners, Guardians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it's crazy to say that the Guardians might be the hottest team going into the playoffs. They nine and one in the last ten, but I actually think the Phillies are going to get knocked out by the Brewers. Uh, just the way both of those teams are playing, I think the Phillies are going to fall apart this last week. Mm-hmm. Brewers are just a consistent team, man. It's it's going to be hard for them to lose more than they win this last week. I think I think they're going to go on a nice little seven three, six four run to finish the season out. Mm-hmm. And, they still uh, have that but I think that's the only play? change. Um, I didn't double check the series. I should have. I just don't believe in the Phillies, man. Uh, even. Yeah. The, I mean, the American league right now, um, the Boston Red Sox are officially eliminated, uh, after last night, the Minnesota, uh, twins are one game away from being eliminated. Um, and then the White Sox and. Baltimore Orioles, they're still fighting for a spot there, but Mariners are holding on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think the Orioles or the White Sox have a chance. Yeah, um, I mean, the unfortunate thing is is that the Mariners, you know, they kind of hit the injury bug here uh, a little bit with two of their big power bats going out due to uh, very small injuries. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, who at this point, it's unanimous that he's going to be the AL Rookie of the Year. Um, he went down with a back tightness. So the Mariners will be looking forward to getting him back uh, like next Sunday. Or um, hopefully, yeah, like next Sunday. And then Eugenio Suarez should be back uh, at some point this week. Um, he had a, a fractured pinky. Or no, excuse me, the a fractured fingertip on one of his uh, pinkies or on one of his fingers. Can't remember which one it was, but um, yeah, it was a fractured fingertip. Yeah, yeah. The Brewers do play. They play the Cardinals tomorrow. Yeah. And then, uh, right. but after that, they got the Marlins and the and the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I mm-hmm. thought they still had. I think four they. Games with the, excuse me, I thought they still had four games with the with the Cardinals. It's actually only two. That benefits them a little bit. Yeah, Marlins and Diamondbacks to end the season should help them out a lot. Whereas Philly's got to go play the Cubs, Nationals, and Astros. Ooh. Which well, I think all three of those, yeah, all three of those series can go either way at this point. Yeah, I I don't know about. We'll see what the Astros series does for the for the Phillies. Uh, how how into that the Astros are going to be? Because they probably have. 
they're, they're, they're pretty close to having everything clinched and locked up as far as home field in the American League already. Right. Well, the best case scenario for the Mariners is, um, like you said, Lee, um, it depends on how badly the AL East beats each other up. But the best case scenario for the Mariners is for that AL East to beat each other up. Um, I mean, you take a look at, you know, what what the schedules are the rest of the year. Um, tonight, the Baltimore Orioles are taking on the Boston Red Sox. Um, you know, the Red Sox have already been eliminated. Um, the Mariners would love for them to help them. <laughs> you know, beat the beat the Orioles, um, you know, help eliminate the Orioles and uh, clinch your playoff spot for the Mariners, something that they, that Mariners fans haven't seen since 2001. Um, yeah. Granted, you know, it, it's going to be unfortunate if they do get this uh, third wild card spot here because there's not going to be any um, home playoff games until uh, like the next round, but you know, so they, they'll have to beat the Guardians, but it's, you know, either way, it's going to be a valuable experience for the players, and it's going to be something, you know, that Mariners fans have been waiting for for a long time. But No, nah, definitely. It's great for that fan base. I'm sure even without home games, they're going to have some kind of a come watch at the park type deal mm-hmm. where everybody can get together as a city and watch. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, you take a look at all the other sports, and um, they do stuff like that. You know, yeah. But yeah, yeah, jumping over to the NL, um, the Dodgers. I mean, they clinched the number one spot easily this year. 106 wins so far with 10 games left to go. Uh, I didn't put this into our uh, script here, but um, is there a chance that they tie the most uh, most wins in a season? No. Uh, go ahead, Lee. I mean, I wouldn't put it past them to uh, run off a, a ten-game winning streak, but they—well, did they have nine or ten games left anyway? The Dodgers. Uh, let's. They've got the Padres for three, the Rockies for five, six. Only... Sorry, so they have nine games left in the season. So. They would cut it. Well, yeah, they could. They would be just one game short. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure. Given, given the fact that they had to fight so hard for the division against, <clears throat> against the Giants last year, came up short, and had a lot of injuries going into the playoffs, I'm sure they're going to – they've probably been trying to get guys like Freddie Freeman, who that drives him crazy. Being out of the lineup drives him nuts. I'm sure they're trying to sit guys and rest them and have them healthy for the playoffs. Of course, they'll have, mm-hmm. you know, four or so extra days to rest before their, their playoff series even starts. So they have plenty of time. Um, whoever's a little bit banged up to get them healthy. And, of course, that brings up the old rest versus rust argument because they haven't had to play any significant baseball this whole month. Sure. Right. It's crazy to even say that the Dodgers might be the most underrated team this season, just as far as headlines and media goes. 
they just been so consistently good. They really haven't gotten the coverage as as far as like with the Pujols story and the Molina and the Yankees and Judge and Dodgers just under the radar won 106 games, like you said. And it's crazy to me that they're going to come into the playoffs as not a big storyline. Same thing happened with the Astros. And I think those are the two favorites, you could say, on both each side to make it to the World Series. So I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see once the playoffs actually start how all that shifts out because all the media has been on New York and the East Coast where the Dodgers just been, to me, the best team in the league. I mean, record-wise, too, the best team in the league. Their pitches are just phenomenal. Speaking of uh, New York, um, they have – they're still going up uh, in battle against the Atlanta Braves for that – East, um, the NL East division title. Uh, where do you see this one going? I mean, who do you see taking the title? Wow, this personally, I, mean, I think it's still crazy that uh, you know, the Braves are in this spot without Freddie Freeman. Yeah, it just shows the depth of their lineup, no question, and the fact that. You know, Acuna's been in and out of the, the lineup as well uh, because of all the complications surrounding his, his ACL tear. Him, him pinch hitting and, and delivering a big hit yesterday was, was very got a very important win for the Braves. Helped, helped get a very important win for the Braves along with their, their bullpen. I, as much as I'm coming across like a Braves homer, I'm going to give the edge to the Mets in this series just based on uh, their health at this point, no, no Aldies for the Braves. You know, regardless of how well Von Grissom has played, Aldies is a player who has plenty of playoff experience at this point. Was, you know, he didn't have an exceptional postseason, but he delivered some fairly big hits for the Braves in the postseason last year. Acuna's health is is still a little bit of a question mark. Um, the Braves. You, you saw it immediately yesterday. The Braves are a different lineup when he's healthy and contributing. It's it's just another gear because of all he can do on the base paths, <clears throat> you know, hitting home runs when he's 100%, which he hasn't been this entire season. Plus, he's an excellent out, outfielder as well. He has a strong arm and pretty good range in right field. So there's... I'm going to give the edge to the Mets in this series, even though it's, or, you know, even if the Braves win two out of three and they're trailing by one, that still favors the Mets because if it's tied, there's no tie-breaking game this year. So the Braves really Mm -hmm. need to be within one game and sweep the Mets for this, for this to work out in their favor. And I just think that's going to be hard to do. Right. Yeah, I think, um, as weird as it is to say, I think the Braves' injuries have helped uh, them as far as developing youth, um, bringing up people like Vaughn Grisham and getting him some playing time during the season. He's going to be huge for y'all in the playoffs. If he can just produce at an average level, that will be a great feel for that second base hole since Ozzy's out. Um, I give the, the lead to the Mets for uh, a number of reasons. I think their lineup – I think they're like a half a point better than the Braves as far as one through nine on the lineup and as far as starting pitching and even bullpen. The Braves are not a bad team. I'm not saying that. I just think the Mets have a deeper team 
uh, when it comes to death in uh, this time of year, I think death shows up a lot more than talent sometimes. But both these teams are going to be in the playoffs, and both of them are going to do some damage in the playoffs. Uh, I'd be scared to face either one of these teams. And um, But I do think the Mets are going to edge it out somehow. Just uh, They've been getting lucky. They've had one of those seasons where it's just been like, they're they winning games they're not supposed to win, and they're not losing games that they're supposed to win. Like, they're just winning games. I don't know how they're doing it. They're doing it on the base pass. They're doing it with small ball, mm-hmm. nine run, nine innings to come back and win some games. Like, they just seem to have that magic behind them this season. And uh, with starting pitching like they have and closer like Edwin Diaz, I, I don't see them falling apart at this point in the season. No, there's no question about that. And, um, you know, the Mets, that their closer, I know him too well. Um, and he just, he doesn't let go. You know, when he's pitching this this well, as uh, like he has been this season, he does not regress a bit, even if it's at the end of the season. He's just one of those high energy type of guys that he'll go forever. Yeah, I've seen him pitch a couple of two winning saves this season, and it was impressive. See him go out there and throw 30 pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have the, the Cardinals uh, currently in the central. Um, they haven't technically clinched that spot yet, but I mean, I don't see how they haven't really. Um, I mean, they have 89 games. The next team from them has 82, and that's the Brewers. So... Well, this, um, I don't. They, yeah, they go may ahead, it in the next couple of games here because that that magic number is three. So if they win both mm-hmm. those games, it's over. Um, and it, even if they split, all they have to do is win one or two games. Besides that, so that's that's not. They'll they'll clinch soon. Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting part, my bad, Dakota, I think the most interesting part of the first round of the playoffs could be a Brewers-Cardinals matchup. Uh, just because they know each other so well and they are in the same division. And it looks like if the Brewers can take that Philly spot. It'll be Philly, uh, Brewers-Cardinals first round in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to this, that. Excuse me. After this, the, the Cardinals have six games with the Pirates. <laughs> so... I, I wouldn't worry the, the Cardinals will clinch soon. And I was just going to add one more thing to the Braves. Uh, Spencer Strider's oblique injury. If he, if he were yeah. pitching in the Mets series, that, that could change things. Because as we talked about before, the guy has just incredible stuff. Um, I don't know if the lack of innings before this finally caught up with him a little bit. I, I get the feeling it kind of did. Um, but that oblique strain throws things uh you know outside of max Fried and kyle wright for the braves rotation and into a kind of problematic area because morton hasn't pitched that well at times and he's given up a lot of home runs this year and odor rizzi's yeah so the braves are gonna need spencer strider back if they're gonna make any kind of run in the postseason yeah, Oda Rizzi, I, I don't know the exact word, but he's never reached the potential that I think he's he came into the league having. When the uh, Astros traded him away, I was actually happy for the Astros. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
I got some a bunch of friends that are Astros fans in Houston. Yeah, and the Padres, you know, we just talked about them facing the Dodgers um, just a second ago, but um, they've seemed to, you know, uh, get back on their stride here over the last couple of games. Um, you know, they they actually, I just posted on uh, about it yesterday on the FSM uh, baseball um, Twitter account, but yesterday they hit for the, the natural cycle. They had a single, a double, a triple, and a home run all in the same inning. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, they're seventy three to the last ten. It's just it's hard to trust the Padres, man, with their inconsistencies at both in the lineup and pitching. I I think they're playing well enough at the end of the season that, that they're gonna be in. They're gonna make it. Um I I'm will check out their schedule right now and tell you that after the Dodgers they're playing the White Sox and the Giants. I mean, those are those are easy series, but they're not the toughest series either. Mm-hmm. Um, you can count the White Sox down for some losses. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we. They fell apart since that Guardian series last week. I don't even think they 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 trying anymore. Yeah, well, they they're gonna have a very interesting offseason. season. Uh, they, they they have some questions to answer for such a talented team. And that's, Definitely. that's something I didn't expect to to be saying that they'd be one of the more disappointing teams this season. Yeah, we don't have to get too deep on the White Sox. I got a lot of, of rants I can go on about that lineup this season <laughs> as yeah, a White Sox fan. Yeah, they haven't reached potential at all, man. It's sad. For they sure. just, like, fell apart. For sure. They've been injury played too, though. I will say that, but we can uh, move on. Yeah. Well, I mean, that brings us uh, to our first break. Uh, a lot going on um, still in the uh, standings. I mean, uh, we're getting closer to the end here, but um, still a lot of storylines to go. You know, with the uh, AL Central being or the NL Central, excuse me. Uh, still up for grabs. Uh, that last wild card spot in the AL still up for grabs as well. But like I said, that's going to bring us to our first break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Hey, do you want to invest in your favorite players like stocks? Well, with Prediction Strike, you can. Now, this app. Prediction Strike, you can buy and sell shares and athletes and build a portfolio based on who is going to perform in their games or just your favorite players. Download the app and use the code PHANTOM with an F, all capitals, when you sign up. Prediction Strike, the world's first sports stock market. Welcome back in. So today we have a couple of storylines, uh, not too many, uh, just three short storylines for you. Um, the first one is that the Mariners have locked up Luis Castillo. Now, how does this play into their uh, the future of the Mariners? Yeah, I was looking at the Mariners payroll uh, this season. I think it was only... A- 112 million dollars or so 
I saw in this for next season you have eight players currently under contract, including him, mm-hmm. and it's at eighty seven million dollars. So clearly, um, all the excitement around those last couple of seasons has helped you raise your payroll. The question is how much and can you sustain it? That's that's mm-hmm. really the thing here because you you've got you know what eighteen more players. It's it's really a twenty six man roster anymore uh, to mm-hmm. figure out who you who you want to sign. And if you look down the list, and I think it's Sport Track, there's a lot of players coming up for arbitration. So this right. this is a season when a number of players are gonna are gonna be paid as well. Um, that payroll. I think at bare minimum is going to increase by about 40 or 50 million, probably more than that, maybe 60. And, you know, that's, that's in top 10 of the league territory at that point, mm-hmm. um, or pretty close to it. So this is, this is something the Mariners are going to have to figure out. They've, um, you know, with their play has gotten fans excited and gotten more of them back to the park. Um, and that, that'll help cover some of that payroll. But then mm-hmm. you have to find out find a way to sustain it. You know, the, the Braves payroll <clears throat> jumped in the $180 million range because of their deep run into mm-hmm. the playoffs last year and winning the World Series. That was a huge financial benefit for them <clears throat> to go out and sign some players in this offseason. The Matt, Matt Olson trade is one example. So you're, you're going to need to probably make a – a deeper run into the playoffs here soon mm-hmm. um, to, to uh, afford a larger payroll, no question. Definitely, and looking at the Mariners' uh, payroll right now, you know you have Robbie Ray locked up, you have Luis Castillo uh, locked up now, um, and Luis Castillo's contract uh, that he signed was a five-year, one hundred eight million million dollar contract extension. With a six-year vesting option that can take it to 133 million, uh, it also has a full no-trade clause for the first three years of the deal. Um, the Mariners got him at the deadline this year, and now they're locking him up for the next half uh, half decade. So, you know. It's a, uh, it's a pretty good thing for the Mariners, especially considering, you know, that over the past decade, they haven't really had any great pitchers outside of uh, Felix Hernandez. But you also have, you know, Eugenio Suarez locked up, J.P. Crawford, Jesse Winker, Marco Gonzalez, Julio, uh, Chris Flexen, uh, who um, reached the plateau of his uh, vesting option. Evan White still under contract after his um, 40, six-year $40 million deal a couple of seasons ago. And then Andres Munoz is locked up uh, for at least another year. So, yeah, taking a look at this, you know, you have uh, three out of your five starters um, going into next year locked up. Um, actually, I should say you have your entire starting rotation locked up because – Logan Gilbert and George Kirby, I mean, who have been absolutely phenomenal for the Mariners this year, um, are both still on their rookie their rookie contracts. So they're not even close to being in arbitration yet, and the Mariners haven't, you know, still haven't locked them up yet. 
and that's going to happen uh, with like probably next year. But you have um, half of your, I should say your your entire, um, or soon your entire, uh, or three quarters, whatever, of your infield locked up. Uh, Mariners just need to extend Ty France. Um, but you already have J.P. Crawford and Eugenio Suarez, and then you're going to have to find a second baseman in, in the offseason. But, I mean, this is absolutely phenomenal for Mariners fans. Um, it's something that, you know, the Mariners haven't been able to see for a while, is the Mariners actually going out and spending some money. Yeah, I think it's a franchise-changing move when y'all got uh, Castillo and definitely to extend him for five years. He's going to be what that veteran starter, him and Robbie Ray, that could take some pressure off of the young kids like Kirby and Gilbert to just go out there and pitch. Like, they don't have to worry about being the ace or carrying the team. Mm-hmm. He's going to go out there and put that on his shoulders and be the ace. And those guys that just come out every fifth day and, and just play loose and pitch, especially with the lineup behind them for all the pitches uh, producing, how they're producing. It's going to be a lot of, of fun to watch the Mariners over the next five seasons with Castillo as their ace. And uh, a couple of the players you just mentioned in their lineup, I think it's just franchise changing. I think it's one of those moves that really gives y'all some sturdy ground foundation to really build on over the next five years. And who knows what could happen over the next decade with that franchise. But it's definitely a big move in the right direction for them. Uh, I was ecstatic for them when I saw them get Castillo instead of the Yankees. Not that I'm even a Mariners fan, but it's just one of those moves that surprised me because, like you said, you're not used to the Mariners going out and doing moves like that. Usually they'll play it safe and pick up somebody that, uh, yeah, they're not, they don't, like you said, they don't usually do this type of thing, getting a right. star name, pitcher, and extending them. Yeah, and bringing up uh, Luis Castillo, um, is this just a – a bad spot in the road for him or is, you know, this, is he out of gas type of thing? Um, yesterday against the Kansas city Royals, he went five and a third, gave up five runs, including a home run, uh, walked three batters, uh, and gave up seven hits and start before that. He went four and two thirds innings, giving up six hits, four runs, uh, and walked two, uh, to the Oakland A's. And then his time before that against the Oakland A's, he gave up uh, four runs in five innings uh, as well. So is this kind of just a bad spot in the road for him, a bump in the road? Or is it um, an out-of-gas type of situation? Pressure affects every player differently. Um, he's coming over from the Reds where you know, they're, the Reds weren't given who the Reds had already traded away before this season even started, mm-hmm. they weren't going to be in contention. There, there just wasn't much of a chance that that was going to happen. You don't you don't have a Cleveland Guardians type of situation for that many teams mm-hmm. uh, where, where you're just a bunch of prospects for the most part and you, you win games. That just doesn't happen that often. Mm-hmm. Again, I'll credit the Guardians that did for them this year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think there's, there's a bit of a pressure situation um, that, that's probably affected him. He probably, you know, no, no one 
ever thinks until the playoffs start about the emotional and mental toll that all mm-hmm. the situations take on you. It's not just the physical toll of, of more games and you know the grind of, of playing potentially now 20 plus more games all, <clears throat> a whole month more baseball in terms of the number of games anymore. It's also you know you, you have to be so often so mentally focused and prepared for every one of these games to play at a high level. So that's that's probably something a little different from him that has affected him physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it could be a combination of everything, man. It could, it, like you said, a long season, uh, getting to the last month of the season, especially on a team that's looking at the playoffs. Uh, he could be looking ahead. He could be a little tired. He could be celebrating his extension. <laughs> uh, I think he'll refocus, and uh, I definitely don't think there's anything to worry about come playoff time. I think the the week before the playoffs start, he'll he's a veteran pitcher. He'll know how to get his head back and come into that first start locked in. Mm-hmm. I looked at I definitely look at him to give y'all seven innings his first start in the playoffs. Sure, and you know, being locked up now, um, he doesn't have that contract piece to worry about uh, moving forward. So that'll be good uh, for him and for the Mariners. Um, Moving into our next topic, we've got Albert Pujols. He completed the quest for 700 home runs, becoming the fourth player in MLB history to reach the plateau. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I honestly didn't. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to even get close uh, two, three months ago. And to see him do it uh, in the fashion that he did it, uh, Lee said, I think about two weeks ago, home runs come in bunches. And that's exactly what happened for Pujols. Uh, August came, and it was seemed like once a week he was hitting one or two homers. And uh, it's impressive. I, 700 is the most impressive. But what's impressive to me is his last season after 21 seasons still hitting over 20 home runs in the season. I think he's at 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I sent you guys the numbers, and let's let's just run through a few of these. Albert Pujols is homered off the most pitchers ever in Major League Baseball history. He passed Barry Bonds for that. He's homered off 455 pitchers. <laughs> he, it's crazy. That, that's that's absolutely insane. He's actually homered in 40, 40 Major League ballparks, which there are only 30 teams, so that tells you how, how long he's been doing this and the consistency over a very long period of time he's had. Um, he's homered he has 13 home runs over pitchers who are already in the Hall of Fame, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, he has he has uh, more than anybody else of, other than Chipper Jones off of Randy Johnson, for example. So, yeah, he's he's done just so much over a very long career. And even even if he retired at 11, after 11 seasons, this is probably the most amazing one is how well his early career, um, how great his early career really was. After 11 seasons, he had 445 home runs. I mean, that'd be, that's 43rd all time if he retired, at, you know, at age 31. Yeah. And that shows you, you know, that he's he's really done this for a very long time. And, and this year especially has been surprising because this is the second most home runs 
for a player 42 years old or older. Barry mm-hmm. Bonds had the most in 2000, what was that, 2007. So it gives you some idea of how difficult this is at his age to have this kind of power resurgence. And really, it's not even the full season. Um, his sure. pe- real power resurgence came after the All-Star break. So yeah. all, cred- all credit to him for being able to stay healthy this many years and uh, play at this high level. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about uh, who was it? Uh, Greg Asminger on April 13th, 2022, my birthday. He came out and said in a viral video that Albert Pujols was going to hit seven his 700th career home run on the road on a Friday night in Los Angeles in September. And what happened? He hit his 700th home run on a Friday night in Los Angeles in September. I mean, just how crazy is that? Like, we're talking about possibly the greatest sports prediction of all time with that. It's definitely up there. Yeah, that's, that's, he didn't call the pitch. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> You're not calling the pitch or, or uh, how far it was going to go. Yeah, he, he, he whiffed on those two. So we, we got to give him at least two strikes for that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is amazing. Out. Yeah. I don't know if he was just looking at the schedule and uh, just playing the probability game or if he really just had a hunch, but it is crazy how people analytically these days could just break things down to to predictions like that. Uh, I've never heard one this specific, but I have heard a couple that was like, uh, even LeBron, uh, I know it's a baseball podcast, but they're trying to talk about when LeBron James will pass uh, Kareem this season. It's just crazy to see all the analytics behind sports these days. Uh, when I was growing up, it was a lot more of just a let's see what happens kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. It's just it's just crazy. Like you know, you're talking about a guy who once played for the Dodgers, mm-hmm. you know, and he hits his 700th home run against his former team. I think that was what's special about it. Uh, an aspect that didn't get talked about much is that he only played in St. Louis and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so to do that in a Cardinals jersey in Los Angeles, I know he played for the Angels most of the, the time, but it's that city. It's only the two cities he's ever known that he made history in, and I think that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, you know, this is a guy that growing up, we uh, – Rowan, you and I watched, like, nonstop. Like, this was our generate. Like, this was our generation of watching, you know, baseball – um, I mean, Lee, you've been around for a little while longer, but, um, this is just, you know, you, so you got to watch the entire career of Albert Pujols as well. And this is just one of those things where it's like one of the generational talents, you know, he's, um, he's at the end of the, his career, but he's still doing tremendous things in his last year. I mean, you don't see that very often, but. Um, yeah, that brings us to our next topic and that's, uh, sorry, I believe it's on Aaron judge. Judge. Um, can't, can he make history? Can't he's already hit, uh, 60 home runs, um, which tied 
uh, for the most in a single season. Um, I believe it was. Can he hit two more? I'm going to say that with the pressure of finally clinching the AL East taken off within mm-hmm. the next couple of days against the Blue Jays, since the Yankees are so close, all they had to do is, is win tonight. They've tied for the division uh, and win one more game the rest of the season. It's going to happen. They're not going to mm-hmm. have that big of a collapse. That'd be a, a historic collapse at this point if they did. Um with that pressure taking off, I think he can swing a little freer at night. Yeah, I think he'll get two more home runs at this point. Um, All season, I know, thought it was automatic. My bad, he can finish Lee. Yeah, and I, I think also, listen, the more home runs he hits, the more he drives his price up, too. <laughs> mm. there's, there's, an impetus, there's a contract impetus for him to hit, keep hitting home runs as well. And don't think he doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this is going to be a very interesting offseason for the Yankees and for him. Um, there's talk of Boston being in the bidding for him and a, mm-hmm. a couple of other big-name teams. So we're going to see there's there's about to start being a bidding war for Aaron Judge. So there's there's incentive for him record-wise, AO and uh, Yankee team record-wise, record-wise to hit more home runs. And there's an incentive contract-wise, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, great points. I thought all season he was going to get it by now. I thought it would already be over. But for some reason, over this weekend, just the way that the game's been going, like even last night getting rained out, uh, I have a weird hunch that he's not going to get it. Uh, Pitchers have been walking him at a higher rate the last two weeks. They're not pitching to him. I don't know. I can see him just not getting it somehow, even though he's, he's hit a home run like every two games on average this season. It's uh, it's something weird about the Yankees this season, man. Everything that's supposed to happen hasn't happened. And uh, I think this would just be a cherry on top of their season. Not that he's not uh, putting on a, one of the best seasons ever and deserves one of the biggest contracts and all that. But I just think as far as the home run record with Roger Maris, something's going to happen where he doesn't get it. Uh, I, I don't know. Pitchers are just not trying to give it up uh, to him. I've seen a bunch of just balls in the dirt the last week and a half of him at the plate. Sure. They're going to make him scoop it if he gets it. <laughs> Four. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a hunch I have. Uh, but he is playing the Pirates uh, the next few games, which feels like he's automatic to get a home run in each one of those games mm-hmm. with those pitching staffs. Bunch of young pitchers. Yeah. And you're talking about. You know he's still uh, on the pace uh, to be to win the triple crown as well. Uh, still leading in batting average, still leading in home runs. Ob- that's an obvious one, uh, and still leading in RBIs. So, you know this could be, you know, one of the most historic seasons um, in baseball history that we're watching right in front of us. It is sure. just between At least him in my and my combined. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's. I think he's gonna get it, uh, but I guess we'll find out uh, next Wednesday. Yeah, and yeah, seven hundred man. I don't think anybody's ever gonna get to seven hundred again. Uh, I could be wrong. Just the way the game's played, it just doesn't feel like it. But I also wanted to bring up up something else. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, saw this the other day, but um, Aaron Judge 
he was uh, signing. Uh, he was like walking down the right field line, signing autographs, like like nothing. Like he's he's one of those players where, you know, he, he wasn't giving you know he he wasn't um, giving a world you know um, about who what he is, who he is. Um, you know, he'll he's he's a fan first type of player. Yeah, I love. Yeah, it is good to see. I love Aaron Judge as a person, man. That's a man. That's the human he is. Uh, what he's shown to be in New York the last, I don't know exactly, six, four or five seasons. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a role model, man. He's a great guy. Uh, one of the best seasons ever this season. One of the best careers, even, uh, up to this point. And uh, you can't take anything away from him. I just have a weird feeling that 61 is going to evade him. For sure. Well, that's going to bring us to our next break. Uh, we'll be right back in just a few seconds, right after this ad. Hey, you know, we have some other podcasts on our podcasting network here at Phantom Sports Industries. We've got the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast run by Brandon Tim, the Phantom Football Podcast run by Ben Parker. Ronan Summers, Simon Short. Make sure to go check those guys out if you like football. I mean, who doesn't, right? We all do. I mean, just go check the podcast out. You won't regret it. Welcome back into Phantoms on the Mound. My name is Dakota Haynes. I'm still joined by my co-hosts, Lee McManus. And the red beard, aka Rowan. But this is our new segment called Red Beard Stumpers. Rowan, go ahead and take it away. All right, this is going to be an MLB trivia spot. I'm going to do three questions, give y'all multiple choice for all three questions, and uh, next week we'll expose the answers. The first one I have is Who is the only pitcher to win three major league world series in three different decades? I'm going to go A. Whitey Ford, B, Cy Young, C, Sandy Koufax, and D, Jim Palmer. Y'all can mull that over. The next uh, trivia question I have, um, when was the first All-Star game played? Uh, I'm just looking for the year on this one. I'm going to go A, 1920, B, 1933, C, 1944. The last red beard stumper of the day. Who was the first player in Major League history to have his number retired? A. Lou Gehrig. B. Babe Ruth. C. Ty Cobb. And D. Ted Williams. Hmm. Go ahead and uh, comment your answers below. I believe. And that's three. Uh, that's the three questions I have for this week's Red Beard Stumpers on MLB trivia. For mine, I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, right now uh, that it was um, Cy Young, 1933, and Lou Gehrig. Any guesses, Lee? Well, I I already uh, figured out. The, the first one, so I, I'm not gonna give that one away. Um, uh, I, I won't. I won't give an answer to that since I already figure out the first one. 
I know there were more. There was more than one world uh, all star game for a while. I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's gotta be. It, it's definitely not 1901. I know it doesn't go that far back, and it's not as late as 1944. I want to say that, it's, that since they had two all star games, I'm thinking 1933 and Lou Gehrig for the other two. Alrighty, well that just about does it for our segment, uh, Redbeard Stumpers, and for this episode. Once again, make sure to drop your answers down below wherever you are seeing this video. Um, and we will see you next week on Phantoms on the Moon. This is Dakota Haynes saying so long.